Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. They always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So, it happened before, it's gonna happen again. This week's fan guest is a huge fan of the sport, living in Roslov, Poland. He balances his love of the game on court with a job as a financial advisor for Ernst & Young. He's currently enjoying his home country's best WTA season on record and lists our guest's WTA title at the 2019 Bronx Open as his favorite fan moment. Welcome to the show, Andrzej Walczak. How are you? Hey, John. Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm going to learn some Polish today. That's going to be my goal, okay? Yeah. How do you say excited in Polish? Um, podekscytowany. Exactly. I'm that right now <laughs> for today's guest. Let's bring her out. Our player guest today finished her 2020 season in style by winning the coveted WTA Shot of the Year Award with her amazing forehand stab winner that helped her capture her second WTA title in as many years. A native of Poznan, Poland, she achieved a career-high ranking that saw her reach 33 in the world at the start of the season, and she ended her year by reaching the third round of the U.S. Open for the first time. With career wins against Yelena Yankovic, Karolina Pliskova, and Naomi Osaka, She's proven why Polish tennis is the strongest it's ever been and why she's poised to have yet another record-breaking season with new milestones in 2021. Our guest today is the fantastic Magda Lynette. Magda, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy you're here too. I, you say chist, right? Chist? Chist. Okay, good. All right. I'm, I'm already 0 for 2 uh, in my Polish speaking for today. I'll improve, <laughs> I promise. All right, before we start the show, Magda, I just want to ask how you've been doing during the COVID break. And if you and your family have been okay? Um, yeah, for the most part, we've all been fine. Um, actually, my sister just got sick like uh, last week, but she just lost the sense of smell, but she was feeling really well. And funny enough, her husband was negative. So everything was fine. Just She just lost the sense of smell and everybody else was fine. So far, so good. Hopefully she does okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. So far, so good. Yeah, we want you healthy and ready for getting excited for this season. So Yeah, I know. I know. It's always like stressful just getting right next to the tournament. You, you're like, never know what's going to be in that last test before you leave. Exactly. And I hate living in that environment. But if we keep wearing our masks, hopefully this is going to be over soon. So let's keep going. Okay. All right, Magda, before we go into your awesome career, I'd love to start the pod today with my favorite way to start any service game. 15 love. And that's 15 love. It's a super simple game. I'm going to throw 15 questions at you, Magda, and you just respond as quickly as you can with the first thing that pops into your wova. Okay, I don't know if that's the best idea, but let's try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Let's start. All right, question number one. Magda, name the first professional match you remember watching live or on television. Martina Hingis and Steffi Graf and where Martina Hingis served underarm. Oh, yes. That, that's 99 French Open. Yeah. Iconic French Open, right? That's yeah. the best. Love that one. That's a big one for a lot of players. That's been one over the years that yeah. many people have said. I love it. Iconic. Number two, who was your tennis idol growing up? Um, Monica Seles. I mean, that's a great idol. Her book is right behind me. I mean, that's... Uh... Yeah, I actually played double-handed forehand uh, until I was 13. So that's why. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Because of her or just because, you know? Um. Well, my dad is a tennis coach and I was really small because I was like three years old when he got my... I mean, I asked him to buy me a first racket. So he figured I'm too small. You know, he didn't want me to get injured or have pain or anything. So he just taught me with two hands and... I think I've become too good too quick and then it was really hard for him to change it. So I just went with it for too long. Wow, that's fascinating. I, I love yeah. that. I can't wait to talk about that in a little bit. Number three, the first word that pops into your head when I say the name Agnieszka Radwanska. Um, the, you know, the like the shot that she just goes so down on her knees. That's the first thing. I think. Another fellow WTA Shot of the Year award winner. Magic tennis runs wild in Poland. I love it. I love it. It's in the blood. These great shots. So we'll talk about that too. It's really hard to keep up, but yeah. <laughs> Magda, you had two nominations for WTA Shot of the Year this past year. Which do you personally think was the better shot? Was it that forehand in the Thailand Open or the backhand put away in Lexington? Uh, the the slice, the forehand, yeah. the running forehand. That was sick. That was a sick shot. Number five, name someone currently on the men's or women's tour that you don't really know, but looks like they'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Roger Feather. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, he looks super fun, right? That's an easy one. I want we all want to hang out with Roger Federer. I do too. But doesn't want to hang out with Roger Federer, really. That's three of us. <laughs> all three of us. Yeah, let's have a party with Roger Federer. Yeah. Number six. Name something that people listening today probably don't know about you. That I played double-handed forehand until I was thirteen. Yeah, and now we know. I love it. This is easy. This is going really <laughs> yeah. well today. All right. Number seven. What is the first nice thing you bought yourself after a great tournament result? really tried to think about something else, but the first thing that came to my head was Australian Open. And third round, and I went to the shoe store Louboutin, I got my first high heels. Well done. That's a bit bad, but I did that. No, it's not bad. That's <laughs> well-deserved. Come on. Third round of the Australian Open? <laughs> yeah. All right. Number eight. Who is your best friend on tour? Oh, really tough to say. Um, I don't really have, like, best friend. I only, I, I really believe that you just have, like, two, three best friends that you really know for a long time. But really, my good, actually, my best friend at juniors was Heather Watson at the time. Oh, yeah. Then we were a little bit good. Like, you know, when we went pro, you travel in 25, so you don't really see each other too often. But she's still my great friend. Oh, she's great. Yeah, we love Heather Watson. Number nine, you get any singles loss from your career to turn into a win instead. Which one do you pick? Any match, not the tight one. Any match. Um, The show match with Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, of course, right? Who doesn't want to win against Serena? If I would like to get a win, that's the one. <laughs> uh, Magda, number 10. If you could have anyone's forehand on tour, whose would you choose? Mm, Jen Brady. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that topspin. Number 11. Name the last show or movie you watched on Netflix. The Crown. We're still in the middle of it. Oh, are you into it? Yeah, definitely. Do you like this season? I actually can't wait for the fourth one now because we're still in the third one. So um, I didn't really remember many facts and stuff from the first two seasons. But number four, uh, I really, you know, I was really into the Diana. Same. Exactly. So I'm really looking forward to it. That documentary on Netflix about Diana is also very good. All right. Number 12, a nickname that someone you know calls you. Uh, I really hate when people call me that. It's Lynetka from my surname. I hate it. Oh, good. Good to know. <laughs> we won't be doing that today. All right. Number 13, describe yourself off court in one word. Well organized. Okay. I love it. All right. Number 14, what is your number one goal for the 2021 tennis season? Be healthy. Always good. Yep. And the last one, once you retire in about nine or 10 years, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm, being the best fighter out there. We're going to talk about that today. Spanyawa, well done. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, easier than we thought, at least, yes. All right. Before we talk about some of your great career highlights, Magda, I'd love to talk about your off-season. If you follow Magda on Instagram, everyone, like I do, you'll see that she's working hard, getting ready for this season. So, Magda, how's the progress? Are we happy with the training that we've been doing in the off-season so far? Well, yeah, it was a little bit different preseason for me because... First of all, I got a new coach and the first time I changed it before the preseason. So that's the first time in my life like that. Uh, usually usually it happened during this season. So that was a new thing for me. And then I didn't go to China first time in seven years. I was doing most of it at home and now I'm in Croatia. So that was something different. A lot, Yeah, no, absolutely. You Are you a person that typically likes routine? Is this more exciting for you? Obviously, you're getting to do different things and maybe a different feel for the start of the season. But the thing what I really like about what I really wanted to do during the preseason is just to go and do it. So that's why I always a little bit avoided Poland, because, you know, always have those small things that disturbs you in a sense. I came to go to the bank, to the tax office, to one grandma, uncle, and it's so many things. And then you like it's actually a very small amount of people that understand that when that's actual work, what you do, it's not a hobby. It's not something. Like if you go rest, that's a part of your work. It's not that you're lazy or something. It's something you have to do. So it's actually quite difficult to do at home. It makes complete sense. I always like to go to China because I was absolutely isolated. I, you, you can't basically go anywhere because you don't know Chinese. It's not that easy just to go and do whatever you want to do. And I was just focused, you know, one practice, another practice, eat, then sleep, then again, you know, tennis, a gym again like shower eat sleep and that was the whole preseason for me so um that's what i always really liked about china i mean despite it's not maybe my preferable place to do it but i could just be super focused on it because it's not really many places you can go out you can hang out so it's not many things that i can take your focus off uh, the things you should be working on 
Yeah, for those that don't know, listening, we're going to talk about it in a bit. But Magda's one of the few players that has made China her training base. And as you said, she's done it the past seven seasons. Super fascinating. I can't wait to go into that. Well, you sound very organized. So it's, you know, obviously this is a important part of the season for you. Did you get some downtime to relax? Did you get to vacation a little bit from the past season? Yeah, so actually this year we didn't, unfortunately, um, because of the whole situation actually and the uh, corona and my situation that I stopped working with Mark. So actually we did went for two, three days to Polish mountains and then I basically started interviewing new coaches and got ready for it and then had to go back to Poland to organize the whole base. And so I had some time off, but not the way I wished, you know, not in the tropics where I wish to be on the beach. <laughs> You'll celebrate with a big win for sure when you when you have a great season. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. This is good luck today. You made the third round of Australia in 2018. You've had some good wins down there, Magda. You beat Jen Brady, as you said, with that big forehand. You've beaten Daria Kasakina. When we talk about Australia, what memory comes to mind for you through your years playing there? Windy, that's the first thing that comes to my head. Um, but I really enjoy my time there. I think I could have been playing way better. And I think that 2018 really showed it that I can do it. And because it's it was kind of fast, you know, the surface is low, so it's really good for me. Uh, and then I think I was a little bit unlucky in like last draws because then I had like Naomi, it was pretty difficult draws. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. You had to play Osaka. Absolutely. Yeah. Some tough draws. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this year for sure. We're all excited for the season to start. Andre, you're an avid tennis player in Poland as well. I'd love to hear a little bit of how you started playing tennis. Uh, okay, so actually, I come from family with no tennis tradition whatsoever. So I was the first one that, uh, you know, picked up the racket. I think I was like six or seven years old. And I was like, totally, you know, begging my parents to, to buy me a tennis racket. So yeah, I, I like to think that I started playing because I saw Roger on, on, on television. That's what that's what I tell to people. So but yeah, Roger was my like, first huge favorite, uh, you know, tennis idol. So I, I like to stick with that. that it was Roger. How was it that you discovered Magda? Obviously, being in Poland, she's quite famous there and she's done so well over the years. What was it about her game that really resonated with you? When did she pop on your radar? So, you know, coming from a country with like no very big tennis traditions and just having, um, you know, little top players, um, like at the time it was just like Neska, it was like in top 100, I believe. As a fan, you know, you're you're looking for those players who are uh, making some, you know, some breakthrough. They, they're playing well in ITF level. And if I think it was like 2010 or 11 that I, you know, I saw Magda playing and she was winning those smaller tournaments. And I really like her game because um, I, I really admire Aga. I always supported her. She, she's, you know, a crafty player, but... Uh, for me, uh, personally, it resonates more with like a uh, more aggressive game, like when, when the player have those weapons to, you know, to hit those stroke forehands and backhands. And I think I saw that in Magda and, and you know, she was still very young, very promising. And, you know, she, she was up to, um, you know, those expectations I, I, I had for her. And she's top 40 player now winning WT tournaments. Yeah. And getting better every year. Yeah. I mean, we had career high this year. We'll yeah. talk about that too. So it's got to be exciting for you to see the progress of someone that you've been following for so long, for 10 years now, you know, since 2010 exactly. to, to where she is now. And that's, what's so fun about the sport too. You know, you, you find these players that you really uh, have something that you find in them that really resonates with you. And then all of a sudden, look, look what happens. You win the lottery. She's in the top 30. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh man. All right, guys. Uh, are you ready for a game? Let's play a game. Let's figure out more about Magda. I love to play a game called I 40 Love You. It'll be Anjay versus Magda in a fan versus favorite tennis match trivia showdown, all about Magda's career and life. Anjay, I'm gonna ask you two questions about Magda's career. And then Magda, I'm gonna ask you two questions that test your own memory about your own career. If we happen to end up in a 2-2 tie, I'm gonna give Anjay the opportunity right now to be today's champion but only if you can get through this first question. Otherwise, the tiebreak is going to go to Magda. So this first game is called True or False. If you've heard the show, you know how it works, Anjay. Yeah. This is going to be an early test to your fandom for Team Lynette. Okay, fire away. I'm going to give you three statements about Magda. If the statement is true, you just say true. If the statement is not correct, please firmly say fault in your best Wimbledon lines person's voice. <laughs> You'll need two out of three of these to win the tiebreak. Okay, let's do this. All right, let's do it. Andre, true or false, Magda is currently working toward a degree in business communications through Indiana University East. Is that true or false? 
I would say true. She's that's a lot of Insta stories from studying. I saw, so I, I would say it's true. Magda, is that true? It's it's partially true because it's actually true. It's marketing, communication, and management, sports management. I love it. Let's talk about it. So you get the point, Anjay. Good job. Obviously, you were much busier during your quarantine and your downtime than I was. Uh, you know, you're studying, you're getting your degree, and you know, this is amazing. Actually, I just want to say I checked your Instagram, and you were like having some good time, <laughs> and we were right actually next to each other. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was in Delray, and um, oh yeah, I practiced with Vika as well, so we're right there. Oh, okay, you're in Delray. Good to know. Um, how close are you to finishing your degree? One more semester, so in May. All right, Anjay, we have to see when it happens so we can throw her a virtual graduation party, okay? Of course, I'll do that. <laughs> Magda, when you finish your career, like we said, in about 20 years, because you still have another couple decades to play, right? What are we thinking is a dream job for you after tennis? I really don't know because I'm still planning on doing the master's. Depends which school I'm going to get into. I'm really trying to get in a little bit more to art school because I would like to go still like business, like marketing, but more from the art side. But I don't know. It's it's difficult. So we'll see. Exciting. You're already thinking ahead. Very cool. All right, Andre, you're on the board already. Let's go for number two. Polish tennis is enjoying its most successful year ever. So true or false? Since the inception of the WTA rankings in 1975, nine Polish women have made the top 100 in singles. Is that true or fault? I'd say it's true. That's a tough one. Might be 10. Uh, Magda, do you think that's true or fault? I think it's 10. I love that you know that it's 10. That's crazy. Look, you're a savant already. I'm getting to know you very well. I really like this. It is 10. <laughs> Obviously, guys, Polish tennis is looking great. With the success of Iga this past year, everyone's thinking maybe an Olympic doubles medal is looking like a great potential for you guys too. Are you looking forward to Tokyo, Magda? I mean, uh, I actually don't have such a great memories from Rio. It was quite tough experience. So I'm really looking forward to Tokyo. I really uh, can't wait to see how it's going to be because it's, I mean, Olympics, it's something amazing. So I'm really hoping it's going to be better a little bit than Rio. Well, you played Rio in 2016. Uh, you mentioned a little of the experience. Was it the facility? What was it that was really difficult for you? Did you get to enjoy the Olympics? That, that's the thing that really, because I actually, I mean, I was way out of Olympics at first. And then I flew from Montreal where I played the, 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 the tournament. I went to China and I got into Nanchang. And w- when I landed in the hotel, they called me from the association. They said, you got into Olympics, go back. Oh, wow. Exactly. And I just did like 37 hours of flying. And, and I'm like, okay. So next day, basically, I withdrew. And I bought the flight. And, and in the evening, I went back another 40 something hours. So I, I, it was really a hassle and everything. But I was so excited and happy. And then they didn't allow me to go for the opening. So I didn't see the opening. I was really sad about that because uh, I played the next day really late. But still, it was the next day. Uh, and I was even trying to persuade them, like, listen, like I'm a tennis player, like we're used to staying up until midnight. I play until at midnight so often. It's it's not going to really impact me that much. And they didn't really care. They just told me I'm unprofessional. They didn't let me to go. Uh, and then I couldn't take anybody with me. I had no coach. Nobody I was basically on my own there. And nobody really helped me. But actually, uh, the, the coach from China took care of me a little bit. So that was like quite tough. And he actually helped me to get my coach there because the plane tickets were crazy expensive. So without his help, I would be just alone there. And then on my match, it was like three people. And I asked like, so listen, can I get like some tickets? I I wanted to buy some because people asked me and said, no, it's completely sold out. It was like three people in my match at like 10 p.m. There's like nobody there. (laughs) Well, here's a good thing. You're 40 in the world now. You know exactly what's going to happen. You're going there. You got your ticket already. You can start planning. If it's happening, hopefully Tokyo happens. But that's the great thing about being, you know, one of the best in the world now. You know, you can plan it. You can organize yourself properly, which I which I appreciate about you. Yeah, I know. I, I, I really hope. That's why I'm really hoping that this is going to be a better experience because I really came with big hopes. You know, you want to see, you want to see other sports. It's amazing. And it was like um, not necessarily what I expected. The Olympics are such a, an important part of sports history. Hopefully you get to enjoy everything. Yeah. Magda, speaking of playing for your country, you first played Fed Cup for Poland back in 2011. You even played junior Fed Cup, uh, which is awesome. This past year, you had three great wins going undefeated in Fed Cup in 2020. 
It's now the Billie Jean King Cup, obviously something to look forward to on the calendar. Team Poland plays Team Brazil indoors in April. Uh, Are you looking forward to that matchup? Yeah, and I really hope that people will be able to come and watch us finally, because playing that tournament, it's really tough because you don't really get any supporters. It's three matches. You play singles, doubles every single day. You come really late. Uh, Sometimes because if you're in that second group, you start at five until like uh, one racket finish the match. Then it's quite seven. You go on a court and you have doubles and you need to be ready for the next day. And it's a lot of emotions, a lot of stress. You need to stay there, cheer that also takes away, um, you know, your energy. So it's quite challenging week. And to me, winning after that, the Thailand Open was actually pretty surprising because I was already really tired after that couple of days uh it was really intense and it it's always is so uh the support from the crowd it's really helpful when we can have it it would make all the difference probably absolutely especially when you're tired and you're running on fumes and you need that that extra incentive so magda real quick question before we move on the polish media has always put a lot of pressure on you over the years i'm sure andre can can attest as well agnieszka redwanska was such a huge fan favorite during her years on tour is there a type of pressure that you felt in your career playing in Poland, playing alongside somebody who was as loved as as Aga was? Actually, I would a little bit disagree with this. I think Agnieszka had a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think comparing to her, I was like not really much attention uh, comparing to her. So I never really felt pressure. I felt more definitely less care. That's it. Not not really pressure. Oh, good to know. I think with Sviatek winning in Paris, I think there's going to be a lot of attention on Polish tennis this year too. So I think that's the exciting part. Really still, like I don't feel that it transfers on me at any point, even with Agnieszka, with uh, even Kubot winning, uh, with Hubert winning, doing great results, or even with Iga, I don't feel it transfers to me at, at all. Good to know. It's better to play pressure-free, right? Absolutely. <laughs> In, in this sense, we're still having our own careers. Like we, we seem like being like in Poland, but actually it's quite different roads that we are having. And the people actually treating us in a really different also ways. It's not that they're just tennis players and they just keep you in, in just because you're a tennis player. They treat you in the same way. Actually, it's really they treat you pretty personally uh, comparing to your results and how you're doing. I agree with with Magda. I think um, you know every players they playing uh, you know for their own. I mean, from from a fun, fun perspective, I can say I think that tennis is a little bit you know underrated in Poland. It should it should get more attention. And I and I think with the the, the win the Liga has, there will be more interest in tennis in general in the country. Maybe there will be more young players coming up in coming years. So yeah, I, as, from a fun perspective, I definitely hope for that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The well, the last one we've already said, this is going to be the last true or fault. Hopefully you get this one. This is an easy one for you. Magda already said it. Magda's father was a tennis coach. Is that true or fault? Yeah, that's true. That's true. He was the first coach of Magda. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's an easy one. So you knew that. So you win the tiebreak. Congratulations. That That's going to come in handy. So you've qualified to the main draw now, Andre. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, let's get into Magda's career. Andre, your first question about Magda. This is the real game. We're in the main draw now, okay? Here we go. Magda was a great junior player and played all the big junior events and Grand Slams all over the world. Her first big junior title came in Poland as she won her first final 7-6 in the third by defeating this future Olympic silver medalist and future top 30 player from Great Britain. Who did Magda beat to win that first junior title? I'm not sure. I'll I'll just go with Heather, I think. Heather Watson. I remember it like yesterday. It's a good guess though, right? Oh, I love that you she knows her career. Some people I love that some players are like, I don't remember, but no. We're talking about Laura Robson. Okay. Speaking of the Olympics, great run in 2012. I mean, with Andy Murray. What a fun, what a fun match that was. Hopefully oh, we right. it's not the last we see of, of Laura Robson. Magda, you remember that match a little bit? You said it was right off the brain. Yeah, it was 10-8 in a time break. <laughs> You have a history of those seven, six, and the thirds. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But um, it's so interesting to see, Magda, junior records of, of professional players. Some of those early matches that you even played in your career, you played against WTA top 40 players, Madison Keys, Yulia Putinseva, Sloane Stevens, Seisei Zhang. Amazing that you look at that. Actually, if you want a fun story, it's the match with Seisei. Um, because I, I've been practicing with her now um, in the academy for the last seven years, so often. 
And every time, you know, she's the kind of person that always, you know, try to make jokes and a little bit, you know, poke you with some little things or when she wins. But I always have that, that I won that her very first match on the Grand Slam. I always tell her, like, listen, I beat you on the Roland Garros on clay, you know, like, come on. So like, and then I'm like, always, so it's always something that I always uh, make fun of. Oh, I love it. I love she it. She really doesn't like when I, when I say about this. You have the history, you know, you can never change it now. Every match is important. That's right. Right. For every Magdalenette or Madison Keys, there are thousands of great juniors that never make it as far as you have. Can you tell us about how you started playing tennis? What, what is your tennis journey and how did Magda Lynette get to the world's elite? It's a good question because <laughs> it seemed as something so uh, unreal, really. Because uh, I'm, I'm actually coming from the family that doesn't have really much money. So uh, by the time when I was 15, I was thinking to really stop uh, to go to college, maybe. But I had just no money to continue uh, and, and travel, especially on juniors when you don't really earn any money, but you spend still a lot. Um, not even saying about proper coaching, uh, conditioning, physio, even forget about physio. I don't think I even had any physiotherapy by the time. Uh, I never even, like, when I think about it, I even didn't know what, what the roller is. Like, now it's like, a, like right? How, how funny that is. And uh, then when I was 16 years old, uh, I, I kind of got lucky. I got a private person to be my sponsor. And that's when, at the end of that 16 years old, I started traveling for junior tournaments. And I had that whole year when I was 17 that I traveled. And that was kind of a, a breakthrough for me because that's where I first got a little bit more proper practice, a little bit more peace of calmness in my head that I can continue um, just practicing and not uh, kind of influencing my family to, to spend the money that they didn't really have. And then... When I was 18, uh, I, I think I played the last tournament, the junior tournament, uh, the Roland Garros. And I was actually kind of, in a way, lucky. And I don't really know how it happened, but I got the wild card to, to the 25 in Stettin. I immediately won it. And then I got another wild card to Torun, and I won it. And then I went to Germany, and I won like uh, another two tournaments, which was incredible because from ranking 800, I went to 170 so quickly. Uh, and it was the very first moment when I actually realized, oh my God, I can actually make it. Like, that's actually possible for me. Like, I'm there. I'm actually doing the proper thing because juniors, it's like still kind of, you're right there, but you're not really there yet. But then I realized, oh my God, you're, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm this close. It's maybe actually possible. So that was that, that first moment when I actually realized that that might be possible. So you're 18, you're getting the wild cards, you're playing well. Obviously, I love I love hearing the transition from because you're absolutely right. It's there's this big difference from junior tennis to the senior level, right? And you're getting the confidence by winning the matches and so at that point you just say, I'm going to give this 100%. I'm going to try and go pro and just see exactly what I can do at this point. So it was it was right then playing those tournaments at 18. The thing is that you always dream about this, but you're not entirely sure that's going to happen like I grew up in the apartment, 35 square meters, you know, with my sister right next to me, like struggling every day, really, for my parents. And and then you go to Roland Garros and everything, like in gold almost, like so many people watching you. And, and then you're like, really, how, how am I here? Like, how is this even possible? So um, I went there quite fast to that 170. I realized, oh my God, that's actually tangible in a sense. Like I can actually do it. So it was maybe not that I gave it 100% try. It was more that I actually realized that that's, it's actually possible. I, I love hearing this story. I grew up with very meager beginnings as well. My mom was a single parent. Tennis was very expensive. You know, I played a lot of junior tournaments as well growing up and it, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it's, it really is time and money and an investment. And I love that your father obviously has a love of tennis as well and said, you know what, we're going to put this sacrifice uh, ahead of our own and the family. And we're going to see what happens. I love hearing that story. I absolutely love it. I'm sure it makes you much more practical uh, these days as well, when you're traveling around the world. Not many people know that are listening right now, unless you're a major tennis fan, how difficult it is playing ITFs all over the world and the expense that brings. You played tournaments in the US, Tunisia, Turkey, Colombia. You traveled all over early on in your career to try and be successful and to break break even financially. What were those early years like for you playing ITFs? 
first in 2010, I went for the, I think, three tents, classical tents in Antalya, Turkey. Everybody, almost everybody did it. And I went there actually for first week with a coach from the Federation, just, you know, to help me organize, because that was the very first time I would stay on my own. So he helped me just, you know, like show me what's what to do around. And then I was just on my own. And it was actually Yerjiano, which was his coach at the time there. So I had kind of a support of, from them a little bit. So I was not so entirely alone. Uh, and actually made at the end, like, you know, qualified for all the tournaments. I played like 20 matches in 21 days. I didn't get many points. I think I got like eight points, which is like a joke, really. Uh, but that gave me also, you know, kind of a lot of matches that, to start with. And a certain ranking to slowly, you know, like go and maybe play some 25s. And then I was lucky enough to have this opportunity to get that uh, wild cards in Szczecin and then in Torun, those two 25s in Poland. And immediately I won the first one and got into the final. And I was like 300 boh, right there. And 170 within another month. So within three months, I made such a quick progress, really. Huge jump. And you're just like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. But no, I, I actually, you know, you play, you have no points dropping because you never had that feeling of actual points dropping, really. Uh, you don't feel the consequence from it. You just play. You have like nobody knows you. And I was just like, had no worries I just played I'm like I'm, I, I was more like oh we're gonna see and whatever I did was just way better than anybody expected anyway so I had absolutely no pressure and then after it happened and I had those conversations uh, even like with my coach or like with even the sponsor you know to go and step further I'm like oh my god I don't even know how I did it how am I supposed to even go further like on the better tournaments I'm like how I mean, you won nine ITF titles in between 2010 and 2015. You were, at the time, you were working with your former coach, Izo Zunich, as well. You credit that partnership with him with helping you break into the top 100. Your results were phenomenal. What was the chemistry and what was the two? What were the two of you able to do together to get you to that next level? 2010, it was still Polish called Jakub Rękosz. And then in 2013, I kind of moved out. Um, it's really hard to say, uh, to explain how Izo is, really. You need to meet him because he's just one absolutely special person. And after that 2010, when I came to 2011, I got like like a stone. I didn't know, like I just hit with my head into the wall because I didn't know how I did all those stuff. It just happened too quickly. I wasn't just ready. And then I really struggled for another year or two. And actually, when I dropped also, uh, I lost the sponsorship which was also another difficult thing. And that was exactly where I asked, like if I could go and uh, maybe work for a week with Isa. And at that time, actually I lost the sponsorship. So, which was understandable because I really dropped, so I, I guess 300. Um, and then Isa decided just to, you know, kind of got upset <laughs> and uh, he's very emotional. And he decided, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna you know, help you and take you where you need to go. And uh, for the first year, I, I didn't even pay him. So that's, I think, wow. enough to say, like how crazy, I don't know, like I don't even know words for this, like commitment, desire, belief in me. Belief for sure. To know that that investment in someone like you and what you could do and what your potential would be. And look at you now. He did well. He's like psychic almost. He's tennis. He's a tennis psychic. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> and and it, it's like it's almost impossible to find a person like this. So and I don't think I could do this alone ever uh, like this. So I really, really owed him big time, really for for a long time. Um, and he really taught me a lot, you know, from the beginning about uh, communication in a sense. Like we fought so much sometimes but still like uh, he was the one you know like uh, able to first of all listen to me and sometimes you know even when I wasn't right when I had all those emotions he was you know the one that was able to still endure that and uh, still you know put his rights through those in those moments when I was uh, capable of listening so uh, besides of the huge work on the tennis court that he did just from the mental side he was also you know trying to to really shape me in the, into the player that I am today. Great story. Right, Andres? What a great story. We get the background. We get all the we get all the meat and potatoes of today. We're learning everything about Magda Lynette. I love it. All right. We're going to move on to question two. Magda, this is your first question to get on the board. You've described yourself as a player that likes facts and statistics and is quite organized. So this statistic is pretty amazing. We all know that the tennis world loves a great 7-6 in the third battle. Well, ever since the year 2010, when you won your first ITF title, 
You've played a professional singles match with a scoreline of 7-6 in the third for 11 straight years on tour. That's insane. My body hurts just thinking about all those matches that you played. But Magda, here's your question. Can you tell me how many total 7-6 in the third matches you've played in your entire professional career with ITF, qualifying, and main draw matches? I'll give you a multiple choice. Okay. Family, <laughs> did you count this? Absolutely. You like statistics. I'm here for you. Let's do it. Oh, wow. Mm-mm. Have you played 11, B is 20, C is 25, or D is 28? How many? Seven, six, eight. I mean, I don't even have to play this game. You're you're crazy at this game. You know it all. Did you count? No, but I knew I took so many. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whatever the highest one is, I should have said like 100 and you would have known. I I think it might be a record. It's absolutely insane. We have to check the stats at some point. But you just beat Kovinich in the second round of the US Open. Another 7-6 in the third rumble to get to the third round this past year. Some crazy matches over the years. I don't know, Andre, if you know this one too. She beat Caroline Dolhide in Cincinnati. 6-7, 7-6, 7-6. Like... Those score lines are insane. Remember this match, yeah. It's crazy. Your fitness has been so great over the years. What are nerves like in a 7-6 in the third type of match, Magda? I think the more you play them, the more comfortable you feel. <laughs> yeah. Do you still get nervous when you play? Is that something that never leaves? Every time. Every time. Every match. Is it before? Is it during? Is it? Or I'm nervous before the match. Or if I'm not nervous, I'm nervous because I'm not nervous. I'm like, something's wrong. So I need, you know, so it's always something it's never like, it's, it, I think it's the worst come like flat on the match. That's the worst. So it's good, I, I feel, for me to be a little bit or like in some kind of emotions and then try to deal with them and direct them into the right direction rather than have them uh, flat. So then it's like tough to wake up in a way. Yeah. Andre, on a, on a recreational level too, I know we play tournaments all over the world as well. We're, we're big tennis players. Do you still get nervous? Of course. Every time. That's the fun part about playing tennis. Why would we play tennis if we don't get nervous, right? That's when we need to stop. And this tiebreak in the decider set like, just comes down to these few points. Of course, it's always nervous. Magda, we talked about your road to the top of tennis, so we know a little bit more of your backstory. You were one of the very first Western players to make China a home base for your tennis training. It obviously paid off as three of your four WTA finals have been in Asia. How did you discover Guangzhou as such a great tennis environment for you? Well, actually, that was thanks to Isa, because he met um, kind of the main director of that club, uh, let's say, let's call it like this, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, I think it was 2013. Uh, it was right at the beginning when we started. Uh, as I didn't really have much money and I really was looking for the place to practice to do the preseason. So we were just looking for the right place. And then he spoke with that coach and that coach said that wherever we want, we can come. And uh, first I came in between tournaments when the Asian swing came by and we really, really liked it. We thought it was a great opportunity not even just the place, but also the players that were there. They were already top 100. It was Zarina Diaz, Sai Sai. At the time, it was Shui Peng as well. So for me, it was an amazing place, really. Uh, and it really, you know, raised my, first of all, awareness of the, what preseason should look like. So they really taught me a lot. And it raised your game for sure. I mean, we've seen the progress in the past years. What do you consider, obviously, we've heard, again, the journey from from ITFs to the main tour. What do you consider your first big win on tour? What was your first match that you said, oh, I'm really proud of myself for getting through that one? I uh, remember that the tough match was with Betanimatic Sense in Miami, and that was a big tournament, big match. That was big for you. Why? Was it because she was a bigger name at the point, or, or you felt like... That's one thing. Second thing, I thought that she, she's an incredible tough player at any point at, at, at her career, really. Like, even if she doesn't play much single, she's still so difficult. But she plays the tennis that not too many of us play, and she does it still so well. She's one of the best, like, net players I've ever seen. So it's really hard. So that that one was really tough match for me I remember yeah you get through that and you're winning against names that you obviously have a a reverence for their game I mean that that gives you confidence for for every match you know you play any player and it's like hey I just beat her I can beat this player too so that's um that's exciting right yeah also the the win with Svetlana Kuznetsova was a really tough one because I didn't really play that well it was so windy in Hobart it was crazy uh but I still pushed through and even that match was really ugly uh I thought I, it was like I think the first Grand Slam winner that I've beaten ever so yeah no you beat Svetlana Kuznetsova and Hobart this past last season uh, what a great way to start the year for you obviously so you have that instinct in Australia the offseason is doing well for you I yeah. love it 
All right, let's go to question three. Sanjay, this is your last question. Let's get on the board. We still can win this. Let's do it. In 2019, Magda won the first ever Bronx Open, which was a lead up to the US Open that year by winning her first WTA singles title, which was pretty awesome. This one's pretty straightforward question. Which player did Magda not beat at the 2019 Bronx Open? I'll give you multiple choice. Was it A, Kaya Kanepi, B, Katerina Sinyakova, C, Karolina Muhova, D, Yelena Ostapenko, or E, Camilla Giorgi? Ah, that's easy one. That was Ostapenko. Good. You know who she beat. That's an easy good. I'm yeah, glad. I, I, I... Uh, but you did beat Yelena in Rome last year, though. That was a big one. My question was so much more difficult. Uh, multiple choice. <laughs> I'm, I love equal opportunity here for both. Oh, man. Magda, I did speak with my friend yesterday. He's the Bronx tournament director, Joey Cerulio, if you remember him. I asked him, I was, I said, Magda's going to be on the show tomorrow. And he says, oh my gosh, exceptionally sweet, so humble. And what he remembers is a very large group of Polish Americans that will come out every day to watch your matches. So he said, tell her I said hello. So that's from Joe there. Really can't wait to come back to Bronx, really. <laughs> Absolutely. What do what do you remember about that first WTA title? Why was that week so special for you? Um, I really, I mean, that was so unexpected, really, because I came uh, when I came. I came the really the day of the sign up for qualies because I was first in qualies, which was so frustrating for me. I was like, oh my god, like why I couldn't get into the main draw, uh, and I was actually the first lucky loser in Cincinnati. So I was waiting there till the end, uh, but eventually, um, like I, I didn't get in. And then they lost my luggage. In Cincinnati or in the Bronx? Yeah, when I came into Bronx. So I just had like my one racket, shoes, and one outfit, really. Luckily for you, it's New York City. You could go shopping. And what a great excuse to go shopping, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, the only three things that I always seem to have is my lenses, right? Shoes and the racket. So I had that. And then at the uh, in the evening, I already got the bag. So that was okay. But You've been traveling for... I don't know how many years now, 15 years on tour, 12 years on tour. How many, is that the first time they've lost your luggage? How many times at this point? Are we up to five, six? I think three. Okay, three. Hey, yeah. good job, Transit. Good, well done. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been really lucky and every time they found it. So you you get into, you obviously you qualify. Yeah, so still in the draw was so difficult in the qualities because I, I played, I think, on Ablinkova the third round and it was like a three-hour match and we played two sets only and I was exhausted and I remember I was so happy that I managed to finish at seven, six, seven, six because it was so hot uh, and I was like thinking like okay just one more round you know if I play, win one more round I'll be really happy because I'll have some matches before yourself and I'll be good and then I won the first time I'm like okay if I win another round I'll be really happy <laughs> and that was round to round so I actually did not have many hopes for that tournament and maybe because I didn't expect too much it just happened well, you beat Muhova 7-6 in the third. Again, another one of your epic 7-6 in the third matches. That was unbelievable match. I mean, to me, this match was crazy, really. I served so well. I think that's, that's been the best I've served ever, I think. Obviously, that gives you confidence, too. If you're if you're saying, oh, I just want one more, I just want more. You win a match 7-6 in the third, you're like, hey, this is cherry on the top at this point. This is great. Let's just keep going. So, But really great. Congrats to you. I was there as well. I was watching you. It was a, it was a really great tournament. Kudos to Joey. You had a great win at the US Open that year as well. And then you get Osaka again, the defending champion, you know, and then it's just been a tough road for you as far as the draws go. But uh, it was a great swing for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a grand slam. You expect that eventually you're going to have a tough draw. Um, I was still happy it's in the first round because I had so many. Uh, yeah, US Open was always quite difficult with the draws for me. So I was happy it's not the first round this time. All right, we're going to move on to the last question of today. It's your last question. Hopefully, I'm feeling, I'm sensing already getting to know you that this one's going to be very easy for you. It would be very difficult for me, okay. but I think easy for you. Magda did her best to salvage a depressing 2020 by having one of the best seasons of her career. Her first career third round appearance at the US Open, her second career WTA title in Thailand, and her WTA shot of the year win were just a few of the feathers she wore in her cap in 2020. After a long year, this question will test your memory, Magda. So here is your last question. Mm -hmm. What was the exact scoreline in your win against Leonie Kong in the finals of the Thailand Open? This could go either way. 6-3-6-2. Six, 
Yes, yes, you. <laughs> congratulations. That was very good. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So, I mean, well done to you. I mean, this is this could have gone either way. Actually, with the matches, I could almost tell you every every score almost. Like, like probably like close. Yeah, I don't remember. Just like maybe five matches in my entire life. So that's insane. I don't know why. I don't know why. And Jay, you too. Can you do that? Is that something? Can you remember those matches? I can't remember. The, we play tournaments. No, no, not a, not at all. They're just so traumatic. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you played so many. I, now I want to do like a part two of this interview where we just like give you a random like third round from a tournament and ITF and you just tell me the scoreline. This could be fun. We could have like a really good fun hour. That's like the nerdy version of this show. We'll do it another time. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Obviously we talked about 2020 full of milestones for you. You continue to improve game wise. In February, you achieve your highest ranking of 33 in the world so far. Congrats to you. We talked about it. You started the season beating Svetlana Kuznetsova, the legend in Hobart. This was before COVID, you know, which seems like a lifetime ago, by the way, right? Can we even imagine? This has been the longest year of all time. I can't even remember. We talked about it. You went to Luxembourg after Australia. You win the three Fed Cup matches. You're on an eight-match win streak after Thailand. You're killing it. Can we talk about that second title? You beat, obviously, the young up-and-comer in the finals. What was it about that week that really was maybe a little different for you? Mm, well, I came in from the Fed Cup. So first, I came from the Inders. Again, I had no expectation, really. <laughs> maybe that's the key. And then, I don't know, I just played really match by the match. Uh, I actually was really lucky and I really thank the organizers because they let me play on Wednesday. So they gave me that one extra day to get used to everything, the environment, surface, everything. So I actually had enough time to to prepare. So that was really nice. Uh, and then, um, I don't know, I think it was accumulation on, on many things, like, you know, the in a way, the draw, how it was going, and then how I had the confidence from the Fed Cup that I won those couple of matches there. And I, then I just kind of continue on that. Um, and I really liked that place. I played the year before also, not too bad. So I think it's just like a combination of everything of the surface that really fits my game. The, it's, it was very windy this year. So in a sense, that was also kind of helpful yeah, for me because it was difficult conditions, which kind of equaled things out. You look at the draw. Are you the player that looks at the draw first thing and says, okay, this is my path. This is what I have to do. Or, or are you one match at a time type of player? No, more more one match at the time. I don't look too much uh, up front because you never know what's going to happen. I just look one match at a time. The COVID year started really in March during Indian Wells. We all remember that very well. You obviously spent your time off. We talked about it, studying, doing lots of things, new coaching. There's lots of things that you've been working on this year. You come back to the tour in Lexington and you win your first match. What was playing tennis in the COVID era like for you? That must have been a little nerve wracking coming back to the States with everything that was going on at the time too, hearing all the numbers and all the stories coming to Lexington, a place that you probably had never played before as well. It's not a place that we typically go. Lovely city. I've been there. Really nice. But it wasn't a, a mecca of WTA tennis. It was a new tournament as well. So it must have been a little more nerve wracking. It's a mecca for horse riding. Oh, yeah. Horse racing. Yeah, absolutely. And bourbon. <laughs> yeah, If you like bourbon. I don't know. It's fire. <laughs> What was Lexington like? What was that COVID experience like for you? Well, I already spent the whole almost quarantine in the U.S. because um, Mark I was living in the race. I was in the U.S. all the time. So I was not really nervous or stressed or anything. I don't know. I'm really, I was really impressed with the people, how they organized the tournament with, I think, four weeks, which was incredible. And they had a lineup of like Serena, Venus, Vika, Zarenka, which is like crazy one, right? And then they managed to pull it out within four weeks, which was crazy. And it was really well organized. I'm so happy that they made it happen. Playing the rest of the season, you play it in the New York bubble. You went to the bubble in, in France as well. Do you think the WTA did a good job or was there anything that they could have done a little better for you this year or for the players? No, I think they really did a great job. I don't know if anybody did any better job, really, because we were the first sport that actually... Uh, like like this international one with the traveling that m made it happen, right? Even the women were one week before that. So I think they did a great job because, I mean, to invent those protocols, that was a hell of a job. 
and then to implement them and take the responsibility for it. That was another huge thing. So uh, really like it was crazy that they were, you know, brave and um, actually they really, I mean, I was just so impressed. Still am uh, that they're doing this. And uh, I think they'd also, you know, develop as all of us, they develop a new ways of communicating with us. We actually improved so much, I think, during that time. Yeah. And we feel way more, in, first of all, informed. But second, I think that they connected us a little bit better. There we go. It's starting. And so it begins again. The season's on. Well, Magda, you are the winner of today's fan versus favorite, but it was going to be difficult to beat her, Andre. It's going to be very difficult with this memory and this mind. She's great. She was great. <laughs> so bragging rights goes to... You're asking about me. It's like, it's, it's come on. It's not equal. It's not fair, really. You'd be surprised at some of the players that say, oh, I have no idea. Good job. I have no clue. But well done. Bragging rights to you this week, Magda. We're going to finish up today with a few fan mail questions from your fans from around the world. You've got mail. Question number one is Martin in Prague in the Czech Republic. He asks two questions. He says, you always look so put together on court. How do you like to prepare with your team before matches? And when you look at the draw, who is one player that you don't like to see? Okay, so second question I'm not going to answer because that player might, might hear that and I don't want them to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. That's good. Until I'm done, I'm not going to say. Um, I don't know. Um, for the first question, thank you, really. Um, well, we try every time to prepare the best we can. I do. Uh, first, usually my coach do the research for the, um, my opponents. So we also prepare really well tactically the day before. Uh, if we have this chance, we also practice it on the court before. So yeah, I always try to give myself the biggest, biggest chance to, to be the best prepared that I can the next day. Awesome. Our last question goes to uh, Anje. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to ask you, Magda, because you know your best tournaments that you've been winning mostly are in Asia. So um, is it anything apart that you you know you're training there that is you know so so special about Asia that you know makes you to perform so well in those tournaments? I don't know. I think one thing is that I don't mind it because I'm so used to it and people don't really uh, like it. It's, it's it's different. The food is different. It's warm. It's very humid. Uh, it's just different. And I'm used to it because I practice in those uh, in this environment. And then second, I don't mind it. And some players don't really like the smog. Uh, in China, they don't really like to travel. Maybe they don't just like the place. I can play anywhere really on the parking lot and I don't mind it. So I think that's one thing that differentiates me. And that's, I think, that helps me a lot that I don't mind to that turn out a little bit less. Or maybe, I don't know, how, I don't want to offend any tournament, but just like maybe it's not that spectacular as Indian laws, let's say. I don't mind that I still can play the best tennis. Yeah, anyway, Olympics are in Tokyo, so mm -hmm. uh, should be should be good for you. <laughs> Ariake, where I played really well. So that's very promising. <laughs> Lots of exciting things heading for this year for you, Magda, for sure. Uh, what a fun hour, guys. Um, I want to thank my guests for joining us today. We learned a lot about you, Magda Lynette. I am so excited for your season. You can find Andre on Instagram at ENDRU365. Thank you, my friend. So great to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's really fun today. Our guest today can be found on Instagram or Twitter at Magda Lynette. Also, magdalenette.com has a great catalog of information all about today's guest. Magda, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, and thank you for the talk, both of you. It's a pleasure. And while you're on Instagram, shoot me a DM at John Garica and let me know who you're a big fan of and who you'd like to hear on an upcoming show. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at Fan Tennis Pod. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been Fantastic. Thank you.